0: And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer.
1: All right. Hello there, everybody. I am Captain Jim Palmer, the dream business coach. I'm the founder of the incredible dream business mastermind and coaching program, creator of No Hassle Newsletters, which is a done-for-you newsletter program used by over 1,200 small business owners. I'm also the host of Dream Business Radio, a weekly podcast created to help you build your dream business so you too can live your dream lifestyle. This is episode 568. My special guest this week is a sales expert, very talented entrepreneur, one heck of a nice guy, Harry Spate. Harry, how are you doing today? Um, Thrilled to be here, Jim. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Hey, folks, this episode of Dream Business Radio is brought to you by, in fact, the Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program. If you're an entrepreneur who wants to grow a more profitable business faster, if you're interested in learning how to create multiple streams of revenue, which is exactly how I got to live this incredible lifestyle, working three days a week for the last seven years, then you want to check it out. You can join me, Captain Jim Palmer, and about right now, 25 other smart entrepreneurs. It's at dreambizcoaching.com. Stream coaching.com. At the end of the show, I'm going to tell you how you can get free copies of all of my books, free digital copies. Um, right now, I want to tell you about my latest ebook, which is called how to create multiple streams of revenue, which I just talked about in this uh, free report, which I think is 17 pages and it's not, you know, 25-point font. It's literally 17 pages of good stuff. How I went with my very first company in 2001 to creating six successful businesses, and as I said, being able to work three days a week the last seven years. You can get a copy, download it immediately at createmultiplestreamsofrevenue.com, createmultiplestreamsofrevenue.com. All right, let me introduce Harry. He is a... Um, uh, very, very talented guy in the sales arena. And there's a lot of sales experts. One of the reasons I um, really connected with Harry, this is not his interview. This is me going off the top of my head. We, we really see eye to eye on a lot of things. And we both believe in you know operating businesses with, with integrity. So that, I'm sure that's going to come out during this interview. Anyway, Harry Spate is a renowned sales consultant and author of the book Selling with Dignity. He's a keynote speaker, founder of Selling with Dignity, starting to see the brand there, where he prioritizes service over pushy tactics. Drawing on his mission, background, and extensive experience in competitive sales, Harry offers valuable insights to improve sales performance and drive substantial revenue growth and performance. Who doesn't want that? Harry is living proof that selling does not have to be gross. (laughs) I like that. Selling can, in fact, be an act of service, and that will actually lead... Or yield greater results. And finally, Harry is also the host of Sales Made Easy podcast, of which I was a guest on about two weeks ago. So, Harry, once again, welcome to this live edition of Dream Business Radio.
2: It's so great to be here. Let's just go on that great introduction. It's just awesome.
1: <laughs> Do you so, to first say of all, no. Well, no, no. I told you, I, folks, I always tell my guests, don't give me any two-word answers. I have not prepared that many questions, for you, which is always my... People that tune in, they love the conversation, but honestly, and I know this, they want to hear more from the guests than they do from me. So first of all, Harry, you know, most people do not enjoy selling. I know they don't enjoy being sold to. Sales has for some reason became an ugly word. And I don't know if it was, you know, decades ago, whatever, but sales is kind of an ugly word. What made, what made you want to change that? I had no choice <laughs> you okay. know, coming from
2: the mission background and I'm not going to stop with three words. Like I promised right. when I left the mission field and I got into a sales bullpen um, 25 years ago or so, I realized that I was not really a good fit for the bullpen. If you're familiar with uh, the Boiler Room movies or Wolf of Wall Street, a bunch of young guys in a gigantic room making calls. What, what uh, about, excuse
1: me, what about the one where they were selling aluminum siding? What The Tin Men, I think that was called. Oh, remember yeah. that?
2: I don't think I saw that, and I apologize for my phone. I thought i put it on vibrate, but I can't <laughs> hear it. So anyway so no but yes it's it's a similar thing it's like if you're in a room like that it's typically a lot of young people that are making calls and it's just not perfect or ideal like my phone call. please stop okay <laughs> this is the uh, major league embarrassing i set it down so i was out of sight and out of mind
1: that's my assistant calling you saying you're you're supposed to be on the air now <laughs> All right, so let's get back to sales not being gross. Whoops. Harry, I lost you. I lost the audio. Can you hear me? Because I, I can, can hear, hear you perfectly. There you go. All right, you're back. I
2: muted when my phone started ringing. If
1: this was recorded, I'd say, let's start over. But we're live now, Harry. We're let's live get our act together. Is, Come this on. This is what we
2: do. Jeez <laughs> Louise. All, All right, right. The bullpen. So, Yes. The bullpen, if you will, is really this environment was not easy for me. So I was not a natural fit. I struggled mightily. And then I learned to... Recognize that serving was my place in sales. And to make a long story short, I built a career out of service instead of that pushy, always be closing mindset that was going on in sales generally.
1: Mm. Well, Thoughts? What, what was the impetus? What was the change? I mean, other than you sounds like you personally it didn't it all these people are close, 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 and it was that felt icky to you. But was there something else other than you just thought there's gotta be a better way?
2: yeah I was failing and so the the idea of failing and for me I had a janitorial business which is what sort of helped me to support the mission work and I did not want to go back to that
0: mm-hmm. so okay. as
2: I was failing is you know all I could think about is this is not me I have to be who I am and the whole service thing started to kick in and then when people were starting to show interest it dawned on me that I could outserve my competition okay. instead of trying to be the closer, which I was not a fit for that. But I said, I'll be the best service minded salesperson there is.
1: And hopefully that will work. And it did. <laughs> so. You know, I know those. I know bullpens like that. They typically got a guy who walks around and he sits there listening to you, and he's driving, driving because you know he's totally commissioned, right? And so he's driving people like you. So when you started this different approach about more service oriented, believing in your heart that that's actually going to close more sales, how did that go with with those uh, pit bulls, so to speak?
2: yeah i it was interesting but they it really was a major account type sale versus a commodity sale okay and as i learned over the years it just i could not really do the commodity sale like if i was competing against everybody and went right down to the the floor and pricing that's not where my strength was it was really nurturing the relationship Building trust and then selling deeper and wider into accounts and selling higher ticket items—that is really how I made my income. And then I did, taught that to sales teams as well.
1: Okay, so Harry, um, and uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. When you're so when you're in that bullpen, and you decide to do things differently. Did you stay in that environment and start succeeding, or did you then go out on your own and and you know?
2: I was still in the thing? same inv- uh, Yeah, I'm sorry, but yes, I was still in the same environment. And I just did not really fit very well. And management didn't always know what to do with me, but nonetheless, (laughs) because I was just not, I was not forceful. I did not really try to overcome objections because I just felt like that was kind of silly when someone said they weren't interested. How many different ways do you need to overcome objections and make people
1: feel guilty?
2: And I just wasn't, that was not something that suited me either.
1: Okay. Um, so I don't know, Phil, Phil thinks he might be related to you. I have no idea why. I, I don't know, maybe unless he's a long lost cousin or he's just resonating with what you're saying, but he's either yeah.
2: that or his phone goes off on podcast.
1: Yeah. His phone <laughs> goes off and then he cuts his mic off by mistake. That's oh yeah, exactly. It. It's um, and so at, at one point, um, I was, well, not at one point. Yesterday when I'm preparing for the interview, like I always do, I was on your website and you reference um, the late, great Thomas Watson from you know IBM fame, who says nothing happens until a sale is made. Sales ultimately drive the economic engine. And without sales, how will your business grow, right? Um, so that is what's required. I know when I work with brand new clients, I mean, not just new clients to me, but people who are new. I'm like, I don't care about, you know, your big office. I don't care about your glossy business card. I don't care about the chair and all of ways that you look great on camera. What are you doing to close revenue? How are you bringing, Mm. if you're not closing revenue in my, you don't have a business best of intentions, right? Exactly.
2: Yeah. So I just heard a person earlier today say something along the lines that, um, I've pretty much given up in sales. I suck at sales and, you know, it was going down this path. And when I hear people say this, it's like, you don't realize that you're trying to be someone who you're not in sales. That's why you don't like it. But if you can be yourself and be service minded, it's a whole different approach that one can be very successful at just being themselves and politely asking for the business, it doesn't mean that you have to be. Someone who you aren't, and be a strong closer, or pushy, or obnoxious in any way.
1: What's yeah, your thought I, on that? I, I like that. I had a client um, a few years ago, Lynn Ilyoff was her name, and um, I interviewed her actually a couple of years ago. And and, and um, Lynn very very talented, had a couple different businesses. She was a, an attorney, all the, lots of skill and talent. And then she was um, she had a coaching business, which is how we got connected. And she said, "Jim, say I think sales are icky. How do I do this without selling?" I said, "Well, you, you really can't, but there is a way to sell." I'm, I'm curious. It's going to be a semi-long question, but I'd be interested in your your take on this. And I said, and I tell this. This is a. I think this is really a mindset piece for small business owners. And I say, if you, if you believe in your heart, mind and soul, every fiber of your being that what you do is good and valuable and it's going to be beneficial to whoever your customers, clients, patients are, then you should be very bold about the effect it's going to have or the impact it's going to have should that customer decide to work with you. Right. I, I don't believe in Mamby Pamby or wishy washy. Um, you now, assuming we're all you know running moral and, and ethical businesses. Stand up and say, this is what I can do for you. And people will get excited. I think people are drawn to enthusiasm. I think they're, they're, they're certainly drawn to results. And so I don't think sales have to be icky. I think it's a matter of this is who I am. This is what I can do. If this is a good fit for you, let's get together. What do you think of that?
2: Yeah, I think you're dead on accurate on that. Um, so without, if you view that you have a product or service that can really make an impact on people. I view it as the server in the fine dining restaurant. Mm. And the server just serves, doesn't worry about the tip, they just keep serving. And as long as they serve, they're going to get their share of wins, they're going to get their share of higher tips, and just they continue to do the right thing. Now, if someone comes in a restaurant and the server doesn't hide behind the door and say, oh my God, what am I gonna do? people are showing up. I don't have the guts to go out and serve them. They wouldn't last. And I look at it as like, we're all servers. If we are opening up our doors, so to speak, then we have to just serve people and don't worry so much about how we look and we can do it tactfully. We don't have to be overly pushy or pushy at all. And I get what you're saying is that you, you can't just basically hang the sign and expect that people are going to show up. You have to go get out. And speak to people. And if you can't right. have the conversations, um, if you can't have the conversation, then you're probably not cut out for being a business owner because you're gonna have to have conversations with employees, investors, customers, and selling as well.
1: Yeah, eventually, new entrepreneurs, and even those who've been in business long, eventually you get hungry enough and tired enough and scared mm-hmm. enough of constantly adjusting downward your goals. To meet your actual revenue and to me that's when you know you got to really muster up some courage and actually learn how to sell right and you actually learn how to promote yourself and and create these brands harry the other thing i was i wanted to ask you about and believe me before i i we sold our house and got rid of so much stuff to move on the boat six or seven years ago i forget um i had probably 300 books i thought i read them all but i read somewhere on your website i think uh, that your favorite book was The Greatest Salesman in the World. I'm not sure I ever read that one. <laughs> what oh, is it? By Ogmandino? I yeah, that, that was new to me. So I'm I'm curious about it.
2: Yeah, this is the book, The Greatest Salesman okay. in the World by Ogmandino. And whoops, yeah. So Og wrote this book about, and I totally resonated with it because I was just leaving the mission field, and he talks about this young camel stable person that actually took care of the stables back in, Mm -hmm. you know, 2000 years ago who wanted to be the traveling salesman. And he spoke to the traveling salesperson that was getting older and he handed down the business, but he gave them scrolls. The scrolls resonated with me, obviously. And one of the scrolls was I will persist until I succeed. Another one was I will greet each day with love in my heart and then another one. So there are 10. And the third one that resonated with me was I will act now. So if you greet the day with love, you act now and you persist, you can be pretty successful in sales. And so I read that book a few times and it just so resonated with me and I just applied it and I still apply it in my life today. Wow. Is that new
1: or old or is it a classic?
2: Yeah, it's a classic. There's like 4 million in print, a little more than mine. And uh, <laughs> it's yeah. got me by about four million. And <laughs> uh, it's been around since I think 1968. The person was a follower. Actually, Ike Mandino, I believe, was an alcoholic and went through a, a, a program. And he was also a big fan of Think and Grow Rich. If I'm not oh, mistaken. Oh, got it.
1: Yeah. Um, so my my buddy and uh, mastermind member Phil Brakefield has responded to our initial question: well, How you relate? He goes, "I'm not a pressure seller either," which I can vouch for. By the way, Phil is is like legendary in um, promotional products, tchotchkes, things like that. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, he grew a, a hell of a reputation through Ace Ace Hardware, True Value Hardware, and a little a little known company called Dream Business Academy, where he supplied all of my all of my oh. visuals, shirts, etc. My guitar, which is actually not here, but yeah. Nice. So so Phil, well deserved reputation, and that's why he doesn't have icky sales either how yeah. do you think how Harry how has the art of selling because I do think selling is an art right I mean selling is what you get to do when your marketing and branding bring somebody who's potentially interested and you know kind of pre-positioned to want what you have so a sale does have to take place right so how has the art of selling changed over the years um, where, and spe- specifically, and you can, you can have all the time you need on this one, with online sales, right, uh, social media, and now literally, you know, at the speed of sound, AI is now coming into it.
2: Yeah, well, when I think about how sales has changed, years ago, when I started out in the technology sales, I remember people saying to me, what's the latest? They don't ask that anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Google has taken the place of a lot of salespeople who were informers and we helped educate so we can still educate today, but it's just different. People pretty much know what they want long before a salesperson enters the game. Or so this is where, you know, building the whole trust recognition, being top of mind is super important these days. So like, uh, I was talking to another person recently who said, uh, well, I'm going to start my business at a certain month. Then I'm going to do all of my online marketing. Then I'll do video. And it was pointing out like six months down the road. And I said, why not start today? Because you can now build your tribe, build your community and have people that already like you, they already know you. And now when you release the product you actually have people to talk to instead of starting from the ground floor
1: six months down the road. That person had to be an engineer. I mean, to, I mean, like get all the ducks in a row. My guess is no offense to engineers, but if you're that methodical, that's not what an, that's not the life of an entrepreneur by a long shot.
2: Exactly. Yeah. You Mm -hmm. just gotta, you just gotta go. And you you know, a lot of people, you gotta go, you gotta make it happen. And it's just, when i come when i come from the space that selling is dignified i do not in any stretch of the word think that you sit back and you wait for people to contact you you have to be out there i mean i do video every day i put video on i post 35 times a week at least on social media i'm on podcasts i'm having conversations with potential clients Right. You cannot just sit back and wait for the phone to ring or for an email to come in because you created a great post with a call to action or you have a call to action on your website. It's like, well, the business just got to come because my website's beautiful. It's like, no, you need to be talking to people.
1: Yeah, there's a I think there's a real problem with a lack of trust in in kind of business today, especially especially in the online world. I mean, you could be the most trustworthy marketer in your niche, but you're fighting an uphill battle compared to a lot of charlatans out there. It's kind of like that. There's umpteen sitcoms who the guy wants to date a girl and because she was jilted by somebody, he's got to wear all that package. You know what I mean? So if you're an online marketer, for example, and somebody was jilted by an online marketer or somebody who was less than trustworthy, um, you're fighting that battle and not just connecting the dots with what you have to offer. Is that fair?
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We're all very skeptical about talking with anyone who is selling anything these days because we all have the bad experience and we're hoping that the next one isn't going to be bad. So yeah, we definitely have our guard up. I think don't you
1: as well? Oh, I do. So do you have any um, suggestions? I mean, not it's slightly off topic, but not really. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you do with your brand and your marketing and your positioning, it, you are selling or at least trying to build no like and trust. But how do you then um, fight that other thing, or is you just keep doing your thing and 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 make those connections? Any any insight there?
2: As a seller, I yeah I, yeah. As a seller, I just recognize that I have to be me, and I try not to overthink. But here, a really simple thing is that you want to build connection early on. This, I think, is super important where we're making eye contact and we're actually genuinely listening, not listening to reply, but listening to understand. Mm. And when people will like, for instance, someone will pitch me. And they will not even ask if I really need, what would I do? What would be the outcome I would have if I bought their product and what would be the outcome if I didn't and have that conversation then like, well, you just pitched me on something. It's like, I don't even know if I need it. Why am I listening to a pitch? So the better thing is to have a conversation, find out what's important to people genuinely listen, make good eye contact, Show that you're interested with your face. You can't fake it. So if you're not interested, don't try to fake it. But -hmm. when you show that genuine interest, there is a connection that will take place. And that's really been my strength for years
1: um sometimes on on these live editions of dream business radio my mind will be going way faster than, than it should and i end up asking a question that's literally 10 minutes <laughs> i feel one coming on now because as you okay. give me the answer i think of something i want to I, I think customers by and large they want to be treated well and they want to make their own decisions right they want to make their own informed decisions Sometimes without without human interaction, which that's the great thing about the Internet and Google and all these other things. I mean, for me, I greatly appreciate learning from a knowledgeable person. If I think of myself when I became a boater seven or eight years ago, my learning curve was steep. And then, you know, now, you know, with a motorhome, my learning curve is steep but I do want to make educated decisions and there's so much opportunity to get educated, but then you do ultimately buy from somebody, right? How does an entrepreneur process all that yet still close more sales? I mean, well, let me just stop there. Cause that will be a record question. Right okay. So how does an entrepreneur process dealing with somebody perhaps like me or somebody else who's just out there researching and reading and videos, blogs, blah, 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 blah. And then they go to somebody armed with all this knowledge and, you know, you might be talking to an expert who, who thinks, well, that's not right. And that's not right.
2: Yeah. I mean, it happens all the time and you know, this is where the, the mistake I think is made. When a person like you does a ton of research and the entrepreneur, business owner will say things like, well, I've been doing this for a lot longer. And then they Mm -hmm. start correcting and they start saying what's right. Now, you may have an open mind to that, but it could also be like, I'm way smarter than you. So why are you trying to figure this out? You need me. That's not being a guide. Remembering that the customer is the hero we're just guides and sometimes people will tell us things that are off base and we can just jump on it and say well no that's wrong especially people who don't necessarily have great sales skills they think they have to correct on the first conversation so my approach is if someone comes into you really interested they've got a lot of knowledge is that you want to encourage that person so that you can build a little more trust and you can say things like It's really great, Jim, all these things that you're learning and then just continue the conversation. What do you think about this? And so forth. And if Jim throws off something that's wild, you say, that's interesting. Let's, uh, you know, and then would you be open for another opinion or another thought about that instead of immediately correcting and say, no, that's wrong. So with you being the guide and permission-based selling, you can still corral the person without offending them. And then building the trust so that they will want to buy from you. If you make them feel good, that all of that research has been super helpful, that's one approach. Or you can cut them off at the knees and say, well, yeah, you're wrong. And you, know, you win the That'll argument. That'll never
1: work. <laughs>
2: right. <laughs> you win the argument, but you're not going to win the sale.
1: That's right. You know, it's interesting because I, I always write on my pad in case people know what I'm doing because I think of questions and things I want to say. You just basically said one of the things that I, I used to say a lot because I started way in retail years ago. And there's an expression that I, I heard someone say, it says, Well, that's one approach. So somebody says, Oh, you want to go do this. And you being maybe you are an expert, highly experienced, you go, Well, that's one approach. Do you, do you mind if I share another approach? It's very different than saying, that'll never work. That'll get you killed. <laughs> you don't want to do that, right? That's one approach. May I share another one? It's like, like you say, it's kind of permission-based selling in a way. Uh, the other thing I learned, and again, you know, I started retail when I was like 15 years old, dignity and respect. When I started selling bicycles and then, you know, to date myself here, 10 speed, 12 speed, way before 18 and mount just bicycles, it was like, you could say, well, this has like a chromoly frame, aluminum, result, and you realize it doesn't mean anything if they don't know what that means. So, as, for example, this is chromoly frames. It's very strong. It's not going to flex. The energy put into the pedals is going to make the bike go forward. You're not going to lose it in a wishy-washy frame. That is literally like 50-year-old information. But but that's <laughs> a way. that's a way to not talk over somebody, right? It's it's not just feature benefit. What does it mean to the person that's interested in that? Now, I got about three or four minutes, so th- this always goes by too quick. So I know you ta- you said initially I think about handling objections, trial close, and all that. Those those might be considered icky parts of it. Well, how do you get? Uh, this will be my last question, Terry, just for the, because of the clock. How do you get somebody who's interested, seemingly having a great conversation, you're sharing results, etc. I believe in. I know, please feel free to disagree if you, if you don't like this, I think people come to a point where they most likely would want to say yes, but I think a lot of people have a hard time completing the sale. Right. And so I like to find a way to help them do that again, because I know it's going to be a great outcome. How do you, how do you think the about that?
2: Well, so the seller, like the, the entrepreneur has a buyer, and the buyer is close to greatness right close to the sale and this seller needs to ask it's really it comes down to i i'm a big fan of james muir's book the perfect close and he says something along the lines like normally at this point jim we a good next step is we draw up a, an agreement we okay. draw up the paperwork is that like does that sound like a good next step for you hmm. And then you're just putting that right out there for the person to say yes or no. And if they say no, then you simply ask, you don't go, why not? You just simply ask what's a good next step for you. And then you'll find out, right? People will tell you all along the way. if you do go, go throughout your whole process. Like what's a good next step for you after you say, suggest one,
1: then you're going to get it's going to come to some kind of conclusion eventually that really is um that really is the essence of permission-based selling so to speak right you're always seeking permission to keep going to the next step and i, I believe as the as the entrepreneur you're the conductor i think i think you might have said that earlier you're the conductor so you've got to you got to get the orchestra going where right. you know the people who came to hear the uh concert are not going to be happy Um, what a great, I, I could just go on for hours. I love selling. I love the art of selling. And I love the fact that if you do something in a, in a, again, a moral ethical way and you deliver great results, you stand behind your product, all that stuff that we shouldn't have to say, then you should be out there and leading people down a certain path with dignity, respect, serving them. Uh, Honestly, I'm going to share this real quick and then, then we're going to move on here. But, um, I get pitched, I've been pitched over 150 times to be guests on this thing. So when I look the the list of people who apply, I kind of do a real quick thing. See, and um, on Harry's website, it really was about I think it was either serve first or serving and Her- the, the day I checked out Harry's information was when serve first came out and I said, well, oh, I could have a conversation with Harry. Remember that? I mean, that's, yes. I, that, that was, that was the thing that made me reach out because I, there's tons of people who I could bring on about sales, but I thought, wow, this is really cool. So anyway, so Harry, how can people connect with you? What a, what a, what a great interview. Thank you.
2: Yeah, my pleasure. And uh, selling with dignity.com is the place to go and, you can navigate around there i've got a few chapters of the book you can download under the book and you know connect and if you want to have a conversation i'm right up there as well on the top of the page
1: and the book is selling with dignity and uh that's on amazon right
2: yep so very cool yeah love it Harry, thanks, thanks so, so much. much really yeah it's been to a pleasure having
1: you on we'll have to have you back someday because I, I know we just scratched the surface with with my 20-minute questions. (laughs) We have to get more of those out there. Oh, they're great. Thank you. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special interview with Harry Spate. I highly suggest you connect with him at sellingwithdignity.com. You can connect with me at getjimpalmer.com. That's my home base, all things spiderweb off of getjimpalmer.com, including the Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program, which is, if you want to go there directly and skip Go pass, um, Again, be sure to get a copy of my latest ebook when I teach you exactly how to um, get multiple streams of revenue. That is create multiple streams of revenue.com. Oh, I almost forgot because I'm in my motorhome and my books are not behind me in my home office, but I've made all of my books, except the latest one, um, serve first, uh, digital copies free. So if you go to Amazon, you can download them all as. Um, I was going to say Nookbook. That's Barnes & Noble. They are there. Amazon Kindle Books. And they're also in the iBook store, all free. I don't even know you're getting them. I get no names, no phone numbers, so I don't have to do any icky follow-up and something. <laughs> um, but that's it. Till next week, another fantastic interview from my home office, where I will have my books there. I am Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach, and you take good care.